The LA Clippers were looking to make it two in a row on Saturday night against the New Orleans Pelicans, but it just was one of the worst games the Clippers have had at home this entire season. We're down 9-0 and never recovered. And Kawhi Leonard got hurt and had to leave the game in the middle of all of it. Is Kawhi Leonard okay, and what does it mean for the Clippers going forward? And what did the Clippers do so poorly that allowed them to get blown out by so much, and how can they fix it? Going to be talking about it all on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darian Viziri, in my 18th season as a Clipper fan. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. And of course, subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for more Clipper content and NBA content. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the place where you make your daily fantasy entries, but we're going to be talking about prize picks more as the episode continues. Let's get right into it for this one. Kawhi Leonard getting hurt in the third quarter or exiting the game in the third quarter and going back to the locker room. I was in attendance for this one, and my heart stopped when I saw that because I did not know at the time whether it was a face injury or a knee injury because he had just fallen down and stayed down right before he came out of the game. But also going to be talking about the game, why it was such a poor performance for the Clippers, and what they can do better to prevent that from happening. But let's get right into it. The New Orleans Pelicans came to town. Of course, no Zion Williamson still. And in recent years, I want to say dating back to 2020, 2021, the New Orleans Pelicans have had the Clippers number. I think part of it is the athleticism. Sometimes you can also say the length. But they've had different variations of this team. You know, last year and this year's team are very similar. But in 2021, they had Lonzo Ball. They had Steven Adams. They had Eric Bledsoe. So they had a good matchup with us that season. But it was a different team. So maybe that's a little bit... I don't want to couple them all in together. But last season, we struggled with them. However, no Kawhi Leonard. So you also can say that it's a different situation for the Clippers. But this season, the Clippers lost that early game to the Pelicans very early in the season with no Kawhi. And now they I'm pretty sure they have one more game against them this season. I'm going to check right now. They do in New Orleans. So that will be our third and final matchup against them. So I was expecting, you know, a decent performance, a good fight, but it was not like that at all. The Clippers never really were in this game. I mean, 9 nothing. Right from the start, we're down as many as 19 in the first half. Cut it down to 7. We're trailing by 12 at halftime. And, you know, even at halftime, I talked to a couple of fans at that moment. And even though Kawhi Leonard was just off and the Clippers were turning the ball over a lot and the Pelicans were shooting lights out from deep, everyone still felt that I talked to. And, of course, we are Clipper fans, so we're going to have a little bit of bias. But we are the comeback Clips, and we are at home. So it's in normal You know, it's normal for people to think and Clipper fans to think there was going to be a comeback. 
but there wasn't. And the second half was just depressing because there was no, not even a push made. And the towel or the white flag, the towel was thrown or the white flag was waved, whatever you want to call it, early in the fourth quarter. And it just goes to show and reiterate the point I've made in a lot of episodes this season that we have waved the white flag more than we've blown teams out. And that's embarrassing for a team that had championship aspirations heading into the season and claims that they still do. So as far as the Kawhi Leonard thing, when he went out of the game, even though he wasn't shooting well, he was still one of the only players interested in defending. That's one thing I'll give Kawhi. His rotations were still sharp. He actually tried to guard Brandon Ingram for a large portion of the game after he went off in the first quarter, was just cooking us, just like the playing game. So Kawhi Leonard started guarding him. and But the thing is, the Pelicans are just going to screen to get Kawhi off of Brandon Ingram because the Clippers are going to switch. They'll give, like, you know, whoever Marcus Morris is guarding. And Marcus Morris was caught on the switch a couple of times. A couple of times he actually had a decent contest. A lot of times he was just blown by. And Marcus Morris, again, just continues to have really poor games. And it just looks like his confidence is shot. He was passing up threes. He had zero points in this game. Zero. A straight donut. And it's just hard because now, you know, I heard that Marcus Morris disabled his Instagram comments or limited his Instagram comments. He's seeing the slander. It's starting to get to him. Sorry, he had two points in the game. One for three. I'm pretty sure he had zero points at halftime. That's why I said a donut. But there's not much more to say in terms of the Marcus Morris senior thing. But Kawhi Leonard, that's the biggest thing that scared me. You know, the Clippers never made a run, and I didn't expect them to without Kawhi in a game like that. Obviously, no Paul George, no Norman Powell. But the good news is that they're just saying that it was a facial contusion and he's probable for the Bulls game on Monday, which is a massive one. And finally, 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 the Clippers are the L.A. team that's playing a team on the second half of a back-to-back. A lot of times this season it's been the Lakers that have played a team the night after they play the Clippers. Thankfully, We have the Bulls on this Monday night, but it was a Sunday afternoon game against the Lakers, so they'll have over 24 hours to recover, and I'll tell you what, they're playing good basketball, and a big reason for that is our good old friend Patrick Beverly, who's playing for his hometown team, had a couple of hilarious antics in the Laker game, and is playing with confidence, more confidence than he was playing with with the Lakers, and you know how Pat Bev is when he's coming to town to play the Clippers. I already know he wants to come to L.A. and beat both of his former teams. And he got one down, and knowing Pat Bev, he's going to come out hard in that one as well. But the Clippers, I also want to say, they have two more back-to-backs remaining in the season. So even if Kawhi Leonard plays against the Bulls, he will likely miss two more games to end the season. And let's say he doesn't play against the Bulls, that's three games out of the final seven missed. And I don't know if the Clippers can afford that, given that teams are right on their tails. Right now, I'm going to check the standings right now. The Golden State Warriors are only one, half a game lower than the Clippers. They just have one more loss, same amount of wins. Clippers are 39 and 36. Warriors are 39 and 37. I just learned today that the Clippers are on Sunday that the Clippers are mathematically eliminated from getting the two seed, but it doesn't mean anything. No one thought they were getting the two seed anyway at this point. And with one more Sacramento Kings win or one more Clippers loss, they will be mathematically eliminated from that three seed that I've said the Clippers need to get if they want to win a championship. Minnesota, 38 and 37. They are only one game 
behind the Clippers. The Pelicans are a game and a half behind the Clippers, and the Lakers are back to under 500. They are a game and a half as well behind the— actually, two games behind the Clippers. So the Clippers don't have that much breathing room. They have to be sharp. They have to be better than they were against the Pelicans. And coming up, going to be going into why it was just so bad and what the Clippers need to do to prevent that from happening coming up. I got to tell you, though, about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the best daily fantasy entry app on the App Store right now. And it's not just you, it's not you versus someone else, it's just you and the projections available. On Monday night, I am taking the over on DeMar DeRozan's points, and I'm also taking the over on Nikola Jokic's points. Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets are playing the Philadelphia 76ers, and you know that's Embiid versus Jokic, so I have a feeling Jokic will have a solid night, at least over 25 points. I'm thinking about 30. DeRozan against the Clippers, I would like to say that he's going to get the under, which is, I think, 22 points right now, but considering the way that Clippers let number one options go off on them, I think DeRozan's getting at least like 23, 24 points. So I'm taking the over there. And prize picks, here's how it works. All you got to do is pick two to six players and predict if they will score more or less than the prize picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry, and it's not competing against other people. It's just you and the projections available, as I said. And it's offered in a bunch of different sports, not just basketball. It could be the NHL, it could be the NCAA tournament, it could be MMA. And entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that Easy, safe, and fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Just download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Okay, back talking about this one. The Clippers getting absolutely thrashed by the New Orleans Pelicans by 21 points at home, 131 to 110. They gave every quarter in this one, did not win a single one. And I think the biggest reason the Clippers lost, more than anything, those two key words, as I always say, defensive intensity. Don McClain did a good job of alluding to it at halftime as well. The Clippers came out with no sense of urgency on the defensive end. And granted, I need to give the Pelicans credit. They were lights out from deep. Trey Murphy transformed into Klay Thompson in this game. He was shooting every three like it was nothing. And it was all nothing but net swishes throughout the game. And guys like Josh Richardson came in and started hitting threes as well. He was three for six from deep. And Brandon Ingram was three for five from deep. But Trey Murphy made 10 threes in the game. 10 for 12 from deep. And here's the thing. Yes, I mean, some of them were just like, you know, shots that you're going to give the defense. But there were a couple, and I want to say a good amount in the beginning of the game, that the Clippers just played poor defense and left the Pelicans open. And one of them that was inexcusable was on an Eric Gordon made three on a made basket. They allowed the Pelicans to push the ball and score in transition. One of the cardinal rules of basketball or a cardinal sin of basketball is you don't let somebody beat you in transition when you score. 
that's reserved for when you turn the ball over a long miss or when the other team just does a great job of pushing the pace and you just don't get back. But you cannot be giving up transition threes, wide open transition threes after a made basket, especially when five Clipper players are staring at three Pelicans players that are still behind the play. That's what happened in that first quarter. Clippers were down 9-0 right away and 37-26 after one. I thought the only two players in the starting lineup that were really playing good defense in the first quarter were Ivica Zubats and Kawhi Leonard. Marcus Morris, I mean, same old, same old. Russell Westbrook not giving much effort defensively in the first half at all, except for one double team against Jonas Valanciunas that he came at the right time and got us forced to kick ball. Other than that, he was, you know, letting guys blow by him way too easily, relying on the help, relying on late switches. Look, you gotta, the late switch needs to be a last option when you fight over a screen. You gotta try your best to stick with your man fighting over that screen so Zubats doesn't have to switch. Then you have to guard whoever that point guard is, whoever's guarding the point of attack has to guard Zubats' man, which is always a center. And now we're vulnerable on the offensive glass. So, late switch, you know, guys like Russell Westbrook, guys like Eric Gordon, they need to do their best trying to fight over those screens and stay attached. Late switch should only be a last second option when you've totally been beaten because, you know, you're trying hard and you just maybe didn't get it right. But when it's happening consistently, that's a problem. So, and then the bench, you know, Bones Highland came in and obviously, you know, he had such a good game against Oklahoma City. Terrence Mann, the same, he had the same nine man rotation with Terrence, Mason Plumley, Eric Gordon and Nico. And the good news is Nico started making some threes, but the Clippers went down by 19 in the beginning of the second quarter in the non-Kawhi minutes. And mind you, Kawhi was not hitting anything. All of his shots were short. He was two for eight in the first quarter. But the one thing I will give him, he was still making good passes and he was still playing good defense. But what I will say is that Bones Highland was turning the ball over too much when he came in and he missed a couple of his first shots and the Clippers in the first half had 10 turnovers. The New Orleans Pelicans did not shoot one free throw, not one free throw in the whole first half of the game and they were still winning by double digits at the half 68 to 56. Now I will say this, the Clippers went down by 19 in the first half, 48-27, and they still brought it down to I want to say 7 points. I think it was 54 to 47 or 64 to 57, one of those. It was a 7-point game at one point in the second quarter. And I will say, even though the non-Kawhi minutes didn't start out well, Russell Westbrook was able to make some good plays, some decent passes. He had a corner 3, he had a mid-range but for all those plays, he still had some plays that were not so good. Turnovers and just missed shots. And I think one thing Russell Westbrook did in this game was he tried to do a little too much. And I get it, Paul George is out. But there were some plays where I thought he was just trying to attack without moving the ball first. And when Bones Highland's out there, when Terrence Mann's out there, and especially when Kawhi Leonard's out there, I don't think there's any you know, situation where Russell Westbrook should try to attack before one pass is made. I'm very anti-no-pass possessions because I got yelled at by a coach one time when I did that in a game when I was a kid. And they yelled, the coach yelled at me and said, you think John Stockton would ever come up the court and just chuck a three like that because he was open instead of passing the ball? Because all your teammates just did cardio to watch you do that and miss. And I, I forever was changed my opinion of doing that after that moment because to a degree he was right. And yeah, look, I'm not in the NBA, but the, you still have four teammates regardless of what level you're playing at. And I think that as the point guard, you should move the ball first unless it's like a wide open lane or something. And I just think that there were times where Russell Westbrook in this game could have moved the ball a little bit more. 
but instead he tried to attack right away. And I think at times he got some good stuff, and at times he got some bad stuff. The, you know, Russell Westbrook's going to have his good and bad moments on the offensive end in every game for the most part. But the main thing that he can do that changes his overall performance, even if he's not having a great offensive game, is to defend. He's always going to go for rebounds. I know that about him. But he needs to defend, fight over screens, be active and help defense, you know, be focused in terms of communication and all that. But in this one, at least in the first half, not great. But that being said, he wasn't getting much help either from anyone else. I mean, Nico Batum, the good news is he was hitting some threes. It's good to see two games in a row where he had a good, you know, good percentage from three. Four for six from three again in this game, so that's good. But overall, you know, Kawhi wasn't hitting, and we don't have Norman Powell. We don't have Paul George, and the Pelicans aren't missing. And I just, as I said, the main thing with the defensive intensity thing is, okay, you turn the ball over a bunch. The Pelicans are making a bunch of shots. You get beaten transition. And Willie Green knew very well that the Clippers are slow and unathletic. So he was making it an emphasis. It was very clear from the first quarter to push the pace whenever they could. On every miss, but even on made baskets, they were looking to push. And clearly, since the Clippers gave him 10 turnovers, made their lives that much easier. And Brandon Ingram was just like he was in the play-in game. I mean, the guy was just rising over the top of everybody. He was coming off screens and pulling. And the Clippers did have trouble at the point of attack. But I think the rotations were just slow. One ball screen and the Clippers were absolutely cooked. And I actually don't think it was guys just dying on screens. I think the help defense was just so slow and, you know, not quick to react. That's the thing that we've talked about the last couple of wins, like against the Thunder in the four-game winning streak, that the defensive intensity, the rotations were just sharp. And you could just tell when the Clippers are focused on defense and when they're not. And I know Paul George has a big play in that, a big part in that. But I could see that this was one of those games where they didn't put that defensive effort. The Pelicans were a sharper defensive team, sharper offensive team. They were fighting for loose balls. They were just quicker. And as cliche as it sounds, looked like they wanted it more. The Clippers turned the ball over 19 times in the game. The Pelicans turned the ball over 15 times in the game. And the Pelicans got 12 offensive rebounds to the Clippers, two. Overall, that resulted in 21 extra shots for the Pels. And when they shoot 62% from three, that's going to be the difference in the game. So moral of the story, yes, the Pelicans were lights out and played great. But the main thing is the Clippers control their defensive intensity. And yeah, Marcus Morris starting and playing a decent chunk of minutes does not help. But... Besides Kawhi Leonard those and Zubats, who, by the way, had eight points in the first quarter, and it was Croatian Heritage Night, eight points in the first quarter, and doesn't check back into the game till the very last minutes of the second quarter, when we were, by the way, coming back a little bit, Ty Lue instead elected to go with Marcus Morris Sr. and Kawhi Leonard at the small ball five and four when Mace, to take Mason Plumlee out. Zubats absolutely deserved to come back into the game for his backup in that first half, but Tyloo wanted to spread the floor with Marcus Morris. Here's the problem. Yeah, you want to spread the floor. First of all, this guy's not making shots, nor is he taking shots. Secondly, the whole idea, and Mike Fratello said it in commentary, the whole idea to switch everything, I'm sorry, to go small is to switch everything. And I can see why Tyloo wanted to do that, because... When you play the pick and roll straight up, as I say all the time, you're giving something up. And a lot of times, 
Most teams would rather give up the open three than a floater or a lob to the rolling big. But the Pelicans were lights out from three. So Ty Lue said, you know what? Our best defense here is going to be play- switching everything and preventing line drives to the basket. But here's the issue there. When you play Marcus Morris in a, in a switch everything lineup, especially with Russell Westbrook and Eric Gordon out there, there's three defenders that are not so great on the ball. And Marcus Morris being the worst of the five out there. And he's going to get targeted. And he was. And it wasn't like he was getting abused, in my opinion, but he wasn't good. And not having your rim protector there, your guy that's actually a real pick-and-roll threat who had eight points in the first quarter, very disappointing. And in the Clippers, they just didn't start the third quarter well at all. I thought there was a run in there, and it just never came as the Clippers I described earlier waved the white flag yet again, didn't get the contributions from the bench. I mean, Bones Highland had had 18 points in the game, but a lot of those were in garbage time. Yeah, he shot efficiently 7 for 12 on the field and 3 for 8 from 3. And he did have 7 assists, but he had 5 turnovers. And between Bones Highland and Russell Westbrook, they had 9 turnovers between the two of them, which is way too much. But mainly, it starts with the Clippers' effort and defensive intensity. They did not come out to play in this game. They did not. And coming up, going to look at the big picture. I'm going to talk first individually about the performances of the players, read the stat lines, go over the second half a little bit more because that was mainly the first half. I just think the Clippers, when you give teams confidence shooting the ball early, you you potentially put yourself in a hole because now they've seen a couple shots go in, it could be a long night for you. And that's exactly what happened. you got to come out sharp defensively, and that's what the Clippers did so well in that four-game winning streak, and we didn't see any of that. Uh, on Saturday night. But coming up, going to be talking a little bit more about the second half, why the Clippers couldn't come back before they waved the white flag, read some of the stat lines, and look at the big picture of what is really going on and what can change in the next game and something I have planned for the next episode. But coming up, i got to tell you about, before we go to the next segment, i got to tell you about Built Bar. The Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know I'll be voting for the Raspberry Bar because I love the just mix of fruit and chocolate. But you got to vote for the Raspberry Bar too. Or should I say, if you want the Clippers to win, you'll be voting for the Raspberry Bar too. Support your team, support your bar puff. And when you vote for your favorite bar puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. you got to try Built, the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they're so amazing, you won't even think they're good for you. And what makes them so good is that they're high in protein, low in sugar, and covered in 100% real chocolate, so they feel like more of a candy bar than an actual protein bar. Just run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. So let's take a look at some of the stat lines from this one. I got to say in the second half, Kawhi Leonard just could not get going at all. I mean, he couldn't get going the whole game, but I had the hope that he would shoot himself into rhythm, and he didn't. All his shots were short. All of them had no legs. Don't know why. Maybe the facial contusion had something to do with it. I mean, he suffered it in the second quarter. It was kind of weird when he came out of the game after the fall. That scared me at the time, that he came out of the game after he fell down. But maybe that fall made him feel a little dizzy. He had already gotten hit pretty hard. 
in that first half. But thankfully, you know, facial contusion is definitely better than a leg injury or something like that. I was really nervous when he went to the locker room because I was at the game and it was not a very good game to go to. But, you know, Bones Highland had some good moments in garbage time. You saw Amir Coffey, Xavier Moon, Musa Diabate. But with seven minutes to go and you're waving the white flag, it just shows the pitiful performance the Clippers put up. And it's funny because towards the end of the third quarter, you know, that at one point the Clippers made a 7-0 run. Cut it down to, I think, 14, 79, and 93. But they just couldn't really close the gap. Couldn't make timely threes. There were a lot of moments where the Clippers could have made a big three to really get a run going. And they just couldn't hit it. And the main reason they lost, I mean, Kawhi Leonard couldn't get going. And when you only have one star playing and your other star, I'm sorry, when you only have one star playing, then he, that star is going to have to play well. That star's going to have to play well, and it's going to be very hard to win games, especially when your next best scorer that's not a star is out, Norman Powell. Kawhi couldn't get going, and then Russell Westbrook in the second half didn't do much right at all. He was losing the ball, and as I said, just trying to do a little too much for me. Went out went out alongside Eric Gordon at around the five-minute mark, and Terrence Mann didn't have a very good game either. He could not stop Brandon Ingram. Nobody besides Kawhi Leonard stood a chance against Brandon Ingram. He was rising over the top of everybody coming out screens. And Terrence Mann, they wouldn't really allow him to get physical. So there was one time where after two times that they called a foul in a row with Terrence guarding Brandon Ingram, B.I. just created a little separation, shot a fadeaway. And one thing I have to say is the Pelicans were getting a lot more of those perimeter fouls than Kawhi Leonard was getting. Kawhi Leonard was getting nothing. And that was a little surprising to me before he went out of the game. But Clippers lose it in terrible fashion, 131-110. to The New Orleans Pelicans tied a franchise record for threes made in the game with 21. They hit 21 against the Memphis Grizzlies earlier in the year. 21 for 34, 62% from deep for them, 53% from the field. As I said, they out-rebounded the Clippers 45-31 and 12-2 on the offensive glass. Josh Richardson came off the bench for 13 points on 5 for 10 shooting and 3 for 6 from deep. Najee Marshall had eight points off the bench, and four of their starters were in double double figures, and the fifth one, Herb Jones, did a really good job on Kawhi Leonard. He's a second-year player out of Alabama, and I think he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. But the other four starters were just really good. Jonas Valanciunas had 17 points and 13 boards, 8 for 18 from the field. Trey Murphy... 32 points, 11 for 14 from the field, and 10 for 12 from three. Insane. CJ McCollum, 21 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. Was really solid across the board. 8 for 15 from the field and 3 for 6 from deep. And Brandon Ingram, 32 points and 13 assists on 12 for 22 shooting, 3 for 5 from deep, and 5 for 5 from the line. He was the best player on the court. And for the Clippers to win these games coming up, Kawhi Leonard has to be the best part on the court in a lot of them. Brandon Ingram was the best part on the court. They won. Kawhi didn't have a good game at all. I mean, the Clippers started to play a little bit better in the non-Kawhi minutes to end that third quarter. And that tells you a lot because usually that's not the case. But for the Clippers, Terrence Mann played 20 minutes, shot twice, one for two. Pretty quiet game for Terrence offensively and then defensively, not too much either. So not the best game for Terrence, only five points. Bones Highland had 18 points and 7 dimes, but as I said, a lot of those are in garbage time. He had 5 turnovers, which is way too much, but I still like to see him play. 7 for 12 from the field and 3 for 8 from deep. 
Robert Covington came in again and was awesome. 11 points, 4 of 5 from the field, and 3 for 3 from deep. And I want to let you know, shout out to Sheila and Shannon who started the chance. Two loyal Clipper fans. We want Rocco in the first half. So be a look, be a, uh, Jesus Christ. Be on the lookout for those chants if you go to games coming up or if you're listening to games or watching them on TV because the fan base is really trying to speak up about this whole Rocco thing. He plays too well to sit on the bench for so long every single game or the whole game for most games. 11 points for him, though, on 4 or 5 shooting and 3 for 3 from deep. Nico Batum, I mean, he didn't have his best defensive game like no one really did. But at least his three ball has been going the last two games. So hopefully that's something we could see more of going forward is him knocking down his three ball at a higher percentage because he's been off from three lately. And when he, as I said a couple episodes ago, when he hits the three ball, given everything else he already does, he's as good a role player as it gets. 13 points for him on four of six from three. Those were all his shots. Eric Gordon sadly didn't get to shoot in the second half. At least not much from what I remember. I think he had a floater early in the third quarter. But other than that, 15 points, and he didn't even miss. Five for five, came out at the five-minute mark around that of the third quarter, and we didn't see him for the rest of the game. So he came out with Russ, who was four for 12, and one of five from deep. Jesus, I didn't even realize he shot five threes. Four turnovers, only five assists. It wasn't a very good game for Russ. 14 points, and the crazy part is he was our leading scorer at halftime which just shows how poorly everybody else was doing really offensively and just overall. Kawhi Leonard only had 12 points, one of his worst games in a while. And I can't lie, two out of the last three games, Kawhi hasn't played well. 12 points, six rebounds, four assists, two steals for Kawhi on four for 16 shootings, only 25%, and 0 for 6 from deep, and 4 for 6 from the foul line. He even missed a technical foul shot. But, yeah, we need better from Kawhi. Uh, we're just going to need greatness from Kawhi, really, to keep us afloat. Marcus Morris, only two points on one for three shooting. Ivica Zubats, 13 points and five rebounds on six for seven shooting in only 18 minutes, which is just crazy to me. So, to go on about Ty Lue, and I want to say my condolences to Ty Lue because I saw on the Pivot podcast that he lost many family members late last year and you know didn't even get to go to the funerals to spend time with his family because he was so busy coaching the team and I do really sympathize with him I totally do it just in my opinion it just means for everybody in the comments section that gets personal with Ty Lue and says all these things you got to remember these people are human as well you know that's all I have to say about that but the Clippers weirdly I can't believe this shot 52% in the game and 45.5% from three, but they turned the ball over 19 times and got killed on the glass and couldn't get a stop. So that's why they lost. Overall, it starts with defensive intensity, Kawhi not playing well, and everyone else needs to try to take care of the ball more. You know, you got you to gotta play with a little bit of pride, and there wasn't much shown from the Clippers, and quite frankly, in a must-win situation, that's unacceptable. Two 21-point losses to the same team this year for the Clips both of them at the Staples Center against these guys. That's not really acceptable. The Pelicans move on to 37 and 37. The Clippers 39 and 36 with just seven games left. They're 20 and 18 at home. And as far as everything else is concerned, Ty Lue and Marcus Morris and all that, at this point, Ty Lue's not doing Marcus Morris any favors. Because now people are starting to go on his Instagram and his social media and get extremely personal with Marcus. And Ty Lue really cares about him, right? They're really close friends. Well, if he really cares about him a lot, he should save it 
Marcus Morris from himself and take him out of the starting lineup because he has shot 21% from three in the last 13 games. And I think if you go back to 30 games, he's not shooting 35% or more from three. I can guarantee that. And he's not shooting well from anywhere right now and obviously not playing defense. But the problems are much bigger than Marcus Morris. And on Tuesday's episode, I am going to be going in depth about my theory about what's really going on behind the scenes and why Ty Lue has been so strange this year. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at DimeDropperPod. Subscribe to my own YouTube channel, please, Dime Dropper, for more Clipper and LA Sports content. Make sure you comment on today's pin question. What is the Clippers record going to be in these last seven games? You let me know, and make sure to subscribe to Locked on Clippers, and hit the notification bell so you know every time we post a video. Episode coming on Tuesday, a big one, and I'm going to really, really go into my you know journalistic side and try to get as much as I can from everybody and put something together to, that makes sense for you guys. The age-old proverb continues, go Clippers, but we in trouble. Big game against Chicago on Tuesday, which just made me realize I can't do that episode about what I think is going on behind the scenes because I got to do an episode about the Chicago game. So on Wednesday, you'll get that episode. The age-old proverb continues, go Clippers.